You know what? It's that time of year again. How many of you figured that out? How many of you know that the day after Halloween, right? If you went to a store, I don't know, somehow in the middle of the night they went from all the weird spiritual stuff to all of a sudden they've got Christmas trees and Santa Claus and, all, and they might even say Merry Christmas instead of Happy Holidays. And so we're in that time and, and I don't know if, if you're like me, but I, I can remember as a child I couldn't wait for Christmas. Anybody else remember those days? I mean, you, it was like, you know, it, it took so long from one Christmas to the next. The year just drugged by, and you finally got to Thanksgiving. And once you got to Thanksgiving, you knew it was just right around the corner. You were going to go to school for a couple of maybe three weeks, and, and, and then you were going to get out of school, and, and then you were going to go to Grandma's, or you were going to, you know, do, do whatever thing. But the, the greatest part of Christmas was what? Somebody said eat. Hallelujah. The, the greatest part of Christmas was presents. Right? Now, now, I know some of you religious ones are going, oh, no, the greatest part of Christmas was the birth of Jesus. I, I got it. We'll talk about that. But really, as a child, the greatest part of Christmas was, man, I couldn't wait to get the stuff. I mean, you know, all week before Christmas, I was going up there, Anybody else do that? Shake it and turn it over and see if it moved. And in fact, I still kind of do that sometimes. But, you know, what's in it? And, and all the excitement that, that happened when, it, when, when you really got to that point of, of Christmas. And, and yet, as, as, as I've grown older and I've watched a lot of us, you know, Christmas isn't fun anymore. It's like, my, my Lord, the traffic is backed up for six miles, and you don't dare want to go to the mall. You have to fight people off, and I can't wait till it's over. This is the, I hate this time of year. Bah humbug. <laughs> and uh, so, so kind of being that way for the past few years, I began to think about it in this year, and, and, and a few months ago, began to look toward this time, and I thought, you know what, I'm, um, I, I speak to a lot of people every week and, and talk to them about spiritual things, and as a spiritual leader, may, maybe I ought to change my attitude, <laughs> right? Maybe I ought to get saved or something, I don't know, and <laughs> and so as, as I begin to kind of focus on it, I begin to reread the Christmas story. And, and as, I, as I did that, God began to show me some things that I want to share with you over the next few weeks. And I want to, the, the subject matter or the title of this series is called Making Christmas Great. And, and I might ought to put on the end of that again, you know, <laughs> Making Christmas Great again, that, that we're actually enjoying uh, the whole process. So would you take your Bibles today and go to the book of Matthew, the first chapter, and as you're doing that, uh, let me greet our campuses that are joining with us today. My name is Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries, and I'm glad you're with us today. I know you've already experienced great service so far. A lot of good things have happened there with your campus. I know your campus pastor's done a great job today, and I just want to encourage you to get ready to receive what God has for you. As I preach here, I believe the Word of God's going to come to you right where you are and change your life as well. The book of Matthew, the first chapter, and the 18th verse uh, says this, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed or engaged to Joseph, before 
they came together. In other words, before they had any sexual relations, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Now, when, when you begin to read that passage, you begin to see uh, the, the story begins to play out. And it's, it's a wonderful story. But our problem is, is that we've gotten so caught up in the, uh, you know, the commercialization of the world that we've lost out on what it really is about and what God is talking to us about. Now, here's what I want to talk to us about today. I want to talk to you today about great secrets of Christmas. I want to share with you three secrets that I find in this story that I think a lot of times we overlook. We, we kind of get caught up in, in the miraculous. We kind of get caught up in, in the supernatural, and we miss out on the other aspects that I kind of want to share with you today. And, and, and here's, what, here's what I want to tell you today. In, in all of our lives, we have the option whether or not Christmas is great. It really is our choice. Is, is Christmas going to be another one of those seasons that we kind of, man, I'll be glad and, and, and I want, want this thing over? Or are we really going to be excited and, and enjoy what God has done for us? And so as you read that passage there, it, it talks about the nature of the birth of Jesus, that it was a supernatural event. And, and I, I believe with all of my heart that the birth of Jesus was supernatural. I believe that this season that we celebrate is a supernatural season, that it's a supernatural time. In fact, uh, I understand that Jesus was not born on December the 25th. I, I, I know that. But I think God gives us the liberty of celebrating this, and, and he smiles at that and, and kind of gives his approval of that. And I think what happens is, is that we miss out on that aspect of, of the wonder and the supernatural power of what God has done. And so I would encourage us during this season not to just so focus on the natural that we miss out on the spiritual, that there really is something wonderful uh, and supernatural about what God has done by bringing to this earth an incarnation. The Bible says that the fullness of the Godhead bodily dwelt in Christ Jesus. In other words, God himself was made manifest to man. It is, it is the only way that we can really see God. We don't understand. When you look at the Godhead and you, and you have the aspects of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and, and we can talk about that until we're blue in the face and none of us will ever explain it, right? But here's what I do know. The only part of the Godhead that we can understand really is the, the aspect of who Jesus Christ was, that he took upon himself the form of man, he came to this earth, and he lived a life that we could see. And so, so I don't know how all that happened. The Bible says the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary, and then she was with child, and then the nine-month process happened, and here's Jesus. But I know this. It is something that I celebrate. It is something that I am excited to say I am, I am thrilled to know that Jesus Christ came to this earth on my behalf. Now, having said that, as you begin to read the story, the, the, it's a wonderful story. I encourage you over the holiday season to be reading it. Uh, but the book of Matthew, the first chapter and the sixth verse, would you turn your attention there? Because I, I want to show you something there. Uh, Matthew 1 and 6, uh, it, the, the whole process there is it's going through this begetting stuff. You know, he begot this, begot that. And then verse 6 says, and Jesse begot David the king. That's, that's kind of cool, isn't it? Jesse begot David the king. I mean, how many of you would like to say, uh, you know, I begot so-and-so the king? Come on, that's pretty cool. That's, that's pretty neat stuff. And then it says, David the king begot Solomon 
by her who had been the wife of Uriah. Really? I mean, why, why did you say that? Why, why didn't you just say, and David the king begat Solomon the king? Why, why, you, why do you have to air the dirty laundry? Right? I mean, do you ever read Scripture and just go, what's up with that? I mean, that, that's one of those Scriptures that I go, come on, that happened thousands of years ago. Couldn't you guys just left that alone? I mean, you know, sins are as far as the east is from the west. Why are you doing dragging that one back out? Have you ever thought about it? I mean, it's in the Christmas story. It's in, it's in this wonderful pageant. It's in this wonderful place uh, of the, the birth of Jesus Christ. And just in the middle of that, David uh, is king, and he's begotten by Jesse, and, and David begets Solomon, oh, by somebody else's wife. Really? Come on, Lord. Has, has she not paid enough? Had they not done enough to kind of wipe that one out? Why is that one in there? Here's, here's what I think. When, when you begin to study Scripture, you find out that God has a tendency to show everything about us. That, that's why I know that the Bible is inspired of God. Because if it was not inspired by God, if man wrote it, he'd cover up a bunch of stuff. I mean, do you, do you think that if a, uh, this was inspired by a man that he would write, oh, yeah, and by the way, David, the great king that we all look to and all talk about, and he's our wonderful leader, and he's the one that Israel refers to the most. Oh, yeah, and by the way, he shacked up with a woman and killed a guy. Right? It, it, that's not going to happen. They're, they're going to gloss over I mean, all the PR people are going to come in. The spin doctors are going to come in. And, and I mean, they're going to whitewash it. History is going to be rewritten. We're not even going to hear about David and Bathsheba and all that. And yet God inspires that to come out. Now, now here's the reason I think he did. And I'm going to give you three of these today, but here's the first one. Christmas can come out of a sordid past. Now, don't miss that. Christmas can come out of a sordid past. I mean, David, David's the guy we talk about. He's the man after God's own heart. He's the king. He's wonderful. He's great. And, and he's a guy that I love to read about. You know, he starts off as a teenager, and he kills Goliath. And, and from there, he begins to ascend, and, and the anointing is upon him, and all the great things that are there. And, and he's doing so good and so great, but he sees this woman. Ever seen a woman? Just checking. Some of you are way holier than I am. He's, he sees this woman. I don't want to go too far with this, but she's taking a bath. He sees this woman. Last time I checked, when you take a bath, You don't have clothes on. <laughs> I can't believe the pastor would talk about that. I'm just telling you what the book said. And it just blatantly throws it out there. I mean, it could have left it alone. It just, in the midst of all the begotting and begetting and all this stuff, it just throws this in and says, oh, yeah, that's her. That's him. Well, why is that? We, we talk about David so often, but we forget of the colossal failure of David's life. 
And that, that what we get caught up in is, is we get caught up in the, in the revised version. We get caught up in the, the, you know, the, the part that's been kind of wiped over and cleaned up. And we forget that God looks at every aspect of David's life. And the Bible lets us know that when God anointed David to be king, watch this. If you understand scripture, when God anointed David to be king, he knew that David was going to commit adultery and commit murder. And he still chose him. Now that messes with my theology. I mean, that just messes me up. When I read scripture that says God hates divorce and he hates murder and he hates adultery. And then he chooses a guy who he knows. He knows that this guy is going to royally mess it up. And he still chooses him. In fact, he uses terms about David such as he's a man after my own heart. Really? Here's, here's what I've determined through the years. All sinners have a future, and all saints have a past. Did you hear me? All sinners have a future. Reach back there. Those aren't wings. They're shoulder blades. All saints have a past. And, and some of us have so sanitized our past that it's like we came forth out of our mother's womb speaking in tongues. And yet the scripture is quite clear that God can use even the mess of our past. That when he chooses us and he looks at us and he says, that's the one I want. And, and we come into his kingdom and, and we start living for him. And we think, we think God likes us when we do right. But scripture tells me that God likes me in spite of what I do. That he loves me in spite of the mess that I'm going to make. In spite of how badly I'm going to turn it upside down. And so, to me, one of the most exciting parts about the Christmas story is that out of that sordid past, God shows up. The whole lineage of Jesus Christ is wrapped up in an adulterer and a murderer. Now, if that does not mess things up, I don't know what does. See, here's the deal. God is not so concerned about your history as he is your destiny. You have a tendency to live out of your history. Well, this is who I am. And, and you know, it's especially with men. If you want to, you, you go up to a man and, and you say, hey, how are you doing? My name is Bob and, and I'm, you know. And, and the first thing that a man wants to tell you is he wants to tell you what he does. Because that's how we get validation. I'm a pastor. I'm a, I'm a plumber. I'm an electrician. I'm what, and, and, we, and, and so we live our lives out of our history. God lives out of our destiny. The Bible says God calls those things that are not as though they were. When, when God calls you out of darkness, he does not see the darkness. He sees the light. He sees the future, and he calls you into your destiny. It's interesting in Scripture where you find a lot of times that when people would enter into a covenant with God, their name would be changed. Jacob becomes Israel. Jacob, deceiver. Israel, one who has power with God. Simon, 
reed beaten about, thou art Peter, upon this rock. All of a sudden, there, there's a name. I, I wonder sometimes if maybe when we get baptized, not only should we be baptized in the name of the Lord, but maybe we ought to get a new name. That's who I used to be. You know, how many of y'all remember, I'm going to be real unspiritual here, a few years ago, Prince changed his name. I know I shouldn't know these things. You know, and he became a symbol. I never could figure out what his name was. And then he went back to Prince. You know, I, I, th I think some of us need to, to have a name change because what we're doing, we're, we're constantly living out of our past, not understanding that God has a destiny. Secondly, look in verse 19. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. I mean, here, here's the deal, is that Joseph is engaged to this woman, and, and all of a sudden, uh, he notices she's putting on a little weight. And that's not too bad, because maybe she could have stood to put on a little weight. But a few weeks later, he notices her stomach starting to expand. And, and then all of a sudden, it's, it's gotten out there so much that everybody in the village is talking. I mean, when, when Mary goes to draw water as she's walking off, all the women of the village say, you see, Mary? I know what her and Joseph have been doing. There's been some hanky-panky going on there. Come on, you know it happened. I mean, they're, they're, every time she'd walk down, they'd whisper about her. They would talk about her. And, and yet, Joseph is a good man. He's a godly man. And so he doesn't want to make a public example of her. So he's just going to send her off into the countryside and let her have the baby. And, and he's going to be done with her. But, but God shows up and God speaks to him and says, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because that which is born in her is of the Holy Spirit. Wow, really? See, secondly is this. Christmas can come out in a troubled present not only does Christmas come out of a sordid past but Christmas can come in the middle of trouble I mean when Joseph walks by people are talking about him when Mary walks there's there's trouble and and the book of Matthew goes on to say that this was the time that Herod uh, is there and in verse 2 talks I mean chapter 2 talks about it says when Herod the king heard this he was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him I mean it's, it's a troubled time People didn't understand what was going on. I, I want to tell you, if you're not careful, you will get caught up in the trouble of the moment and you will miss out on making Christmas great. I mean, you turn on the news or you go, uh, you know, on the web and you look at the news and, and you find out that our economy is in a mess and our world is shaking. And if you're not careful, you're, you're going to get so tense and so afraid and so nervous. Oh, this is going to be horrible. And yet what you've got to do is you've got to understand that even in the midst of trouble, God is still God. Now, I love it. Listen, I wish that every time we cried out to God, he would move the trouble. But God shows up to Joseph, and he says to Joseph, don't be afraid, take her. Now, if I was Joseph, I would have said, could you just let that, that whole baby bump thing be gone? We'd just say she wasn't feeling well, and now she's better. But there's going to be several more months before a baby is born. And in Scripture, we find out that the entirety of Mary's life, uh, they refer to Jesus as an illegitimate child. 
It's wonderful when God shows up and you pray for a miracle of healing and, and there's healing or you pray for a fine, you know, you're up against that financial deadline and right before the, the, the doors shut on you, there's this believing and there's a moving of God and he shows up and wonderful things happen. That's great. But there are sometimes that the trouble continues. She's still going to be pregnant the rest of the time. She's going to bring forth a baby. People are never going to understand, and she can say, it's born of the Holy Spirit, and they're going to go, yeah, I've heard some things before. I've never heard that one. But Joseph has a word from God. Now, here's what I want to help you with. Those of you who are right now in the midst of trouble, maybe, maybe your marriage is not where you want it to be. Maybe, you, maybe you've got a child that's wayward away from the family and away from God. Maybe you're going through a situation where your financial world is turned upside down. I want to tell you, get a word from God. Because even if there is trouble in the moment, a word from God will sustain you through it. I want to tell you, there were many nights that Joseph went to bed and he remembered the word of God that said, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary for your wife because that which is born is born of the Holy Spirit. He, hang on, he hung on to it. There are those of you who are going through something, those of you who are facing some things, those of you who are even watching, you're facing some things today and you know that there's trouble in the present. But just because there's trouble in the present, does not mean it's not still a great time to celebrate Christmas because the supernatural power of God is able to sustain you in the present. I want you to know today that God is able to take care of your present even in trouble. And you may not know what's going to happen. The Bible says weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. The Word of God lets us know that God takes our ashes and He gives beauty. That, that out of those things which seemingly are, are troubling us on every side, that God says, I'm still your God. And so you have to come back to that place where you know in whom you have believed. And you know that He, speaking of God, is able to keep that which you have committed against that day. And so just because there's trouble right now in your life, just because you're going through some things, just because you are experiencing some difficulties and problems, I want to tell you today, Christmas is still great if you know that there's a God in your present. Look at verse 22. It says, So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. The, the third thing today that I want to share with you is, is that Christmas can come out of a glorious future. Now watch this. This, this is a prophetic. This Matthew 1.22 is, is a prophetic word about what's going to happen, what's going to be part of the future. Matthew 2.23 says, And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, that he would be called a Nazarene. There, there's this prophetic thing that God has on all of our lives. He told Jeremiah in the Old Testament, he said to Jeremiah, while you were still in your mother's womb, I knew you, I formed you, and I knew your days. I knew everything about you. I knew what was going to take place. See, there is something we need to understand today. That every one of us, if we will only understand God's plan, we have a glorious future. 
Ever, ever read that scripture that says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper, right? Why is that? Because if I stay in the plan of God, even though I fail, I'm going to get back up because my destiny is still assured. I mean, I mean think about it. Have you, have you ever been around parents who just had a newborn baby? Aren't they the goofiest things in the world? Oh, I want you to come see my baby. Oh, it's, I mean, they're... There, there's this anticipation. There's this joy. I mean, I've, I've never been in, in the room with parents who just had a baby who went, man, this kid's going to be a failure. <laughs> Look at this. I mean, you can just tell by looking at her. She's never going to get married. I mean, this poor darling, she's, it's just, right? I mean, parents, there's, there's this sense of destiny, this sense of, oh, I got it's the most beautiful, and they're all, you know, heads smushed and forcep marks. And Come on, I know they're beautiful to mamas, but daddies just lie real good. But anyway, uh, you know, and they, now they get better. I'm, I'm, don't throw rocks at me. But, but that, that moment... Those next few days, you take that baby home and, you know, you, if you're wise, you start, you know, some kind of savings account. And you start getting all that stuff in the mail from, you know, you need to have insurance on this kid. Dollar a day, you can, you know, and you, right? You, but you, why? Because you're excited. This is, this is my baby. And if we're not careful, though, we lose that. They hit the twos. Zig Ziglar said years ago, don't call them the terrible twos, call them the terrific twos. Okay, Zig. Uh, you know, and, and then they hit those teenage years. And if we're not careful, we forget those words that were spoken over them. Right? This is going to be a man of God. I can sense it, right? Just, we bring them to the Lord. Lord, we dedicate this baby to you in the name of Jesus. It's going to be used mightily by you. And, and, and then we see life. Hang on. And we miss out on the destiny that God has because we bind them to their past instead of releasing them to their future. There are some of you sitting here that your children need to be released to their future and you're keeping them from getting there. Hear me, this is a word from the Lord. You need to begin to remember what it was like 10, 15, 20, 30, 50 years ago when you held that baby in your arms. And I don't care what's happened. It does not matter. God had a destiny for them that day and God still has a destiny for them this day. And you've got to have that same sense of anticipation. You say, Pastor, I've been disappointed. I understand that. But this is the season of supernatural power. This is the moment where God shows up and says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for success. Plans to prosper you. Plans for a future. Some of us need to get back 
Number one, for ourselves. We need to get to that place where, again, that we can look at what the Word of God has said to us and what the Scripture speaks to us and even what we have thought and dreamed in our past and say, you know what, there's still something in my future. And I'm not going to settle in this Christmas season for just another time just to go through the same old thing. I am believing for God to bring that to pass. But some of you need to remember the anticipation and the joy that you had as you stood with that baby in a, in a room as they were brought into this world. Or you stood before a pastor as he laid hands on them and blessed them and you dedicated them to the Lord. And you have forgotten the moment of anticipation and destiny that you saw. And God says, the same thing that I had for them 30 and 40 years ago has not changed. They may have taken the wrong road. The path may have been diverted. But I will refer you back to point number one. If God can use David, God can use anybody. If God can use David and Bathsheba to bring about the birth of our Lord and Savior, then I don't care what has happened back there. Christmas tells me that there is a future, that there is great things, that there is powerful things that God desires to do on their behalf. We've just got to anticipate it again. There needs to be, as I close today, there needs to be an understanding that Christmas is not just about Christmas trees and tinsels and toys. That's all fun and that's all needful and thank God for it. But Christmas really is about life change. That there are some of us today who need to grab a hold of something that I've talked to you about and say, you know what? I may be in that place right now that my life is a total wreck, but if God can use David, he can use me. I may be in that place where there's trouble all around and everybody's talking about me and nobody understands and, and, and it looks like my belly's getting bigger and bigger and everybody's in a specific, but you know what? God's given me a word and I'm hanging on. And some of you need to believe that the next few weeks and as we move into 2012, that 2012 is going to be the greatest year you've ever had in your life, in your family, and in your walk with God. I'm anticipating during this Christmas season, I'm going to make Christmas great because I found out that there's some secrets that Christmas has and today they've been revealed. That's what we need to understand.